Like Flynn Rider, all of us have experienced our fair share of bumps and bruises in life. We've all gotten cuts, we've all gotten colds, we've all found ourselves in need of healing. Unfortunately, uh, we don't have access to magic hair to heal us. Flynn Rider is pretty much the only person who gets to take advantage of that. Uh, now, I wanted to show you this clip this morning, first of all, because it talks about healing, and that's the thing we're going to be talking about this morning, healing. But the real reason I wanted you to see this clip is that this is, Tangled is Bree's favorite movie right now, and if I have to watch it 50 times in two weeks, <laughs> you guys can watch a clip on Sunday morning. That's the, the real reason I chose this. But it's also a good story of healing, right? Flynn Rider gets his hand miraculously healed. Now, we don't have that, but fortunately, we do have access to other places of healing. Here in St. Louis, there are countless hospitals and doctor's offices and clinics that we can take advantage of. There are not one, but two medical schools that we have here in St. Louis. We're surrounded by places of healing. We're surrounded by places intended to help us be better and feel better. And it's not just hospitals and clinics that are intended to be places of healing. There are other places around us that should be places of healing too, and those are churches. Churches are intended to be places where we can get better. Churches are supposed to be like hospitals. They're supposed to be places that we can go and be healed from the things that are causing us problems. Churches should be like hospitals, not for physical ailments, but for spiritual sickness. And it's this idea of church as hospital that we're looking at this morning as we continue our series, What the Church Was Meant to Be. In this series, we're looking at images of the church, images of this gathering of people who follow Jesus, so that we can better understand what the church is and how it's supposed to function and perhaps how we can even do better as a church. And our image this morning church as hospital, is actually a really peculiar image because uh, the idea of hospital and indeed the word hospital itself uh, did not exist when the Bible was written. In fact, the modern concept of hospital uh, only came about in the fourth century when Christians looked at the world and said, hey, we need a place where people who are suffering can come and can be cared for. And that's where the idea of hospital came from. And so because the idea of hospital didn't really exist when the Bible was written, there is actually no place in Scripture where the church is called a hospital. There's no place. But there are plenty of places throughout Scripture where the idea behind a hospital can be seen. Early Christians, Christians throughout the ages, in fact, have looked at Scripture and said, hey, as people who follow Jesus, we need to be doing work of healing. We need to be helping people. The early Christians who founded hospitals believed this very strongly. Why? Well, the most important reason is that when you look at Jesus, you see that healing is an important part of who he is and what he's done. For example, in Luke chapter 5, 
We see that Jesus begins his ministry. He calls the first disciples. He heals someone with leprosy. He heals someone who is paralyzed. And then we get to this story. Follow along with me in Luke chapter 5. And after this, Jesus went out and he saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And leaving everything, he rose and followed him. And Levi made him a great feast in his house, and there was a large company of tax collectors and others reclining at table with them. And the Pharisees and the scribes, the religious leaders of the day, grumbled at his disciples, saying, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus answered them, and this is the key point, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And so for Christians throughout history, if Jesus came to heal the sick, if Jesus came to heal people who were physically sick and who were spiritually sick, that's what the church should do. We should be a place of healing. And this is really the key idea for us this morning, that if we really want to follow Jesus, the church should be like a hospital. If we really want to follow Jesus, the church should be a place of healing. Now, if the church was meant to be a place of healing, that means a few things. For example, it means that the church uh, is not made up of perfect, completely whole, unbroken, flawless human beings. If the church is a hospital and hospitals are filled with sick people, it makes sense that the church would be filled with sick people. And as I look out at you all, I see a bunch of sick people. Now, maybe not physically sick, but sick in other ways. I've read your prayer requests. I've seen what you've been doing on Facebook this week. You guys don't live, you're not perfect people, you don't live perfectly healthy lives. All of us are carrying things with us. We're carrying burdens, we're carrying sin, we're carrying the problems of life. We're all broken. We all need healing. And guys, look at what Jesus says here. Again, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick, I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Jesus didn't come for healthy people. He came for sick people. Jesus didn't come to fix the non-existent problems of people who are healthy. He came for the sick, for those who are spiritually sick. Jesus does not expect people who follow him to always be perfect. In fact, he knows that we won't be perfect, which is why we have the church. The church is the place where we can all get better together. I love the words of Pastor uh, Carmel Akande. She says, uh, the church should be a place where those who have physical and emotional and mental and spiritual wounds can come to be healed. The church was meant to be a hospital. The church was meant to be a place for people who are sick, not people who are whole and perfect. The church is meant to be a place where we can come when we need to have our hearts rehabbed. The church was meant to be a place that we could come when we've been wounded by something in life and we need to recover and get better. 
The church was meant to be a place where we could come with whatever problems we are facing in life and we can find the help that we need. Guys, if your view of faith is that you're going to come and Jesus is going to use his magical hair to fix you, and then you can leave the church and never have to come back again, never have to get the help that the church offers, that's the wrong view of the church. The church is not a magic place. The church is not a community center. The church is not a social club. The church is made up of sickos who are being healed by the great physician. The church it was meant to be a place of healing. The church was meant to be a hospital. Now, unfortunately, many of us have had experiences where the church has not been a place of healing. For far too many of us, the very opposite has actually been true. The church has been a place of pain and hurt. Uh, one of the first churches that I worked at was such a church for Haley and I. I just graduated college, I was going off to grad school, I was working as a uh, youth pastor at a church, I was super excited to be there, super excited to share the love of Jesus with teenagers, and very quickly it became apparent that this church did not value loving people as much as they valued their own reputation. And so teenagers who came to the church who didn't look like the teenagers who had grown up in church uh, were criticized. And the youth pastor who welcomed those teenagers was also criticized. And so one evening, uh, quite unexpectedly, I was brought in before one of the committees, and for hours I was raked over the coals. I was criticized, I was critiqued, I was yelled at, and then the next day we did it all over again. And people who I thought were my friends in this church stabbed me in the back. And it hurt. It really hurt really hurt. And if you have a similar experience in the church, if you have an experience of pain because of the church, I want to apologize to you. I'm sorry. I'm sorry that the church has been a place of selfishness and arrogance rather than selflessness and humility. I'm sorry that the church has cared more about the money that you contribute than your spiritual growth. I'm sorry that the church has cared more about what you look like on the outside than the growth that is occurring on the inside. I'm sorry that people have gossiped about you and slandered you under the guise of praying for you. I'm sorry that the church has been a place of power and politics rather than a place where the love of God has been shown. I'm sorry. Because that is not what the church was meant to be. The church was meant to be a place of healing. The church was meant to be a hospital where we can get better together. Now, for the rest of our time this morning, I want us to really look at this idea. What on earth does it mean that a church should be like a hospital? That's not something we typically think about. What on earth do hospitals and churches have to do with one another? And I've got a couple, couple answers to this question of what are hospitals and churches? 
So follow with me here. Uh, the first thing that hospitals and churches are is that they are places of care. They're places of care. When you walk into a hospital, uh, you're cared for, or at least you should be cared for. Hospitals are places of care. When you show up, the doctors and nurses, they are really interested in what's wrong with you, how you're feeling, and how they can make you feel better. They're places where uh, people want to help you along the way, and that should be true of churches as well. We should be places of care. Look at what James has to say about this. James chapter 5 says, Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick. And the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. This is what the church is supposed to be. We're supposed to be a place of care. Now, I want you to notice here that James is not saying that when you pray, all of your prayers are going to be answered. Right? This is actually more a challenge to the church. Hey, church, be a place of care. Be a place where you help people in need. And notice also that it's not the church who fixes what is wrong with people. Right? Only the Lord raises someone back up. Churches, we care, but only God cures. But that work of care is really important in that process. And I have been here at Rooftop for about 14 months now, and I think Rooftop does a pretty good job of this. I've seen countless occasions where people need help, people need care, and through prayer and through action, Rooftop steps up and helps. In fact, my family has been on the receiving end of this recently. Uh, Judah is almost two months old now. Yes, there's your picture of Judah that you've all been waiting for. Isn't he cute? While he's sleeping. But when Judah was born, our church family uh, cared for us. You guys brought meals, you sent gift cards, you uh, brought us really cute onesies. We got a lot of care and support. And those of you who are parents have continued to support us. He's two months old, we've now entered the sleep deprivation phase of parenting, and you guys have checked in on us. Hey, how are you doing? How did he sleep last night? How much coffee have you had today? That's care. We're being cared for, and we appreciate that. Thank you. Rooftop is, in many ways, the place that the church was meant to be. We're a place where we care for one another, where people are taken care of. When the ups and downs of life happen, rooftop comes and rooftop cares. Because we know that when we show love to one another, when we care for one another, that's when the church is healthy. When we love one another and we care for one another, that's when we are able to point people to Jesus. And so that's the first thing that hospitals and churches share. They share that they're a place of care. The second thing is that hospitals and churches are places of restoration. Hospitals and churches are places of restoration. This is, of course, perhaps the reason for a hospital, to take something that is sick and make it well, to take something that is broken and make it whole, to take something that is wrong and make it right. Hospitals are places where people begin and often continue the long and difficult process of moving towards health. And the church should be the same sort of place. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ, the Apostle Paul says in Galatians. Notice that Paul doesn't say fix 
one another's burdens. He doesn't say heal one another's burdens. He says bear. Bear one another's burdens. Carry one another's burdens. Take the heavy load of your people, the people around you and carry them with you. Don't let people's imperfections stop you from helping them. And the idea of bear also brings, this, uh, brings to mind this reality that when people are sick, it takes them a while to get better. Healing doesn't happen immediately. If you have cancer, it takes more than one trip to the oncologist's office to make you well. If you want to lose weight, it takes more than one trip to the gym for you to lose that weight. If your marriage is struggling, it takes more than one visit to the counselor's office to get things right. If your life is falling apart and you think that God is the solution to what is wrong, and spoiler alert, he is, it takes more than coming to church one or two or three times to fix you. Far too often we try to slap a Band-Aid on a problem that needs surgery, but restoration, real restoration, takes time. I know restoration takes time because I have been in the middle of a uh, restoration project for the past four years. When Haley and I bought our little bungalow here in St. Louis, and that's kind of what it looks like, or looked like, oh my gosh, it still looked like that. Oh, it'd be a terrible sermon illustration. This is what our house looked like when we bought it. Thankfully, it doesn't look like this. Why? Well, because over the past four years, month by month, project by project, we've been working to restore our house. We've moved walls, we've torn things down, we've built new things, we put a new roof on, we've painted a lot, we still need to paint more, but we're restoring this house through a lot of time and a lot of effort. We're restoring it. We're make, taking something that was broken down and we are fixing it up. And we're not done yet, but we can see it. We can see it. We can see what it's going to look like in the end. It's going to be worth it. All the time and the energy and the money, it's going to be worth it. The finished product is going to be awesome. And so the question I have for us all this morning is, is rooftop a place where we can wait for and work toward restoration? Is rooftop a place that we can wait for and work towards restoration? Are we taking the time necessary to restore people to the health that they need in Jesus? I'm going to be honest, I don't know the answer to that question. I think this is something we can do a little better on it because I think sometimes we're impatient. We want people to come to church, we want people to turn their lives around and change their behavior and start acting the way that we think they need to. We want them to start acting more like saints than the broken sinners that they are. Are we giving people enough time to be restored? Are we being patient with people? Are we bearing one another's burdens here at Rooftop? Are you helping people towards restoration in how you live your life here at Rooftop? Food for thought. The third thing about hospitals and churches is that hospitals and churches are places of emotion. 
places of emotion. You walk into any hospital and you're going to see a lot of people with a lot of different feelings. There are going to be people who are happy and overjoyed and excited to be there and people who are worried and sad and angry and grieving. You're going to have people who are celebrating a birth or a miraculous recovery right next to people who are on their knees sobbing with grief. Hospitals are places filled with emotions, and the church is also a place filled with many emotions. In Romans chapter 12, the Apostle Paul says uh, to Christians, he commands Christians, rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. There are rejoicing people in our church, and there are weeping people in our church, and we're called to both. Ecclesiastes says that, that there's a time and a place for everything under heaven. Everything has a season. There are seasons of joy in hospitals, and there are seasons of joy in churches, and there are seasons of sorrow in hospitals, and there are seasons of sorrow in churches. Hospitals, for me, have been a place of both great joy and great sorrow. I met Bree and Judah, my two kids. I met them at a hospital. It was awesome. It was some of the best days of my life, getting to meet my kids. But I also watched my grandfather die in a hospital. I stood at the end of the bed and cried as he passed away. Joy and sorrow in the same place. And up here, on this stage, we get to dedicate babies. We get to hear stories about how people have been transformed because of Jesus. We get to watch baptisms. We get to be a part of weddings. And we hear bad news. We pray for people who are really, really sick. We have funerals. It's a place of both joy and sorrow here in our church. And the lesson for all of us today is, is I think, this, that as people who belong to the church, we need to learn to walk beside those who are experiencing emotion, no matter what those emotions are. It's okay to be happy, and it's okay to be sad, and it's okay to cry, and it's okay to ugly cry. Jesus probably ugly cried when his friend Lazarus died. That's why the Bible says Jesus wept. It's okay to cry. It's okay to have emotions and experience the emotions that you're, you're feeling. It's okay to experience emotions, and very importantly, it's okay to be okay with other people's emotions. We don't need to tell people to be okay when life is bad. We don't need to tell people to be happy when they're sad. It's okay, brother. The joy of the Lord is your strength. No! <laughs> when we are feeling something, we need someone to come sit beside us, to come be that way with us, to come listen to us. That's what we need, and that's what we need to extend to other people. Rooftop, when someone in our church is rejoicing, rejoice with them. And when someone in our church is weeping, weep with them. Because it's when the church is a place of true emotion that we can be a place of true healing too. And finally, hospitals and churches are places of hope. Places of hope. In the face of an undiagnosed illness or a serious injury, 
Hospitals often bring people hope, hope that there's a treatment for whatever is wrong with you. Hope that even though things are really bad right now, there's a light at the end of a tunnel. Hope that you can get back to a normal sort of life at the end of this. Hospitals are places of hope. And the church should also be a place of hope. Romans chapter 5 it says this, it says, for those of us who are Christians, we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame. It doesn't leave us hanging out to dry, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. Hope often follows unhopeful things. Hope comes from suffering. Things are bad. Our illness isn't getting better. The enemy seems to be winning, yet we persist in hope. We persist in the faithful expectation that things will not always be this way. And the beautiful thing about Christian hope, the beautiful thing about the hope of the church, is it's not just hope in the here and now that can end in the here and now. It's hope for eternity. Yes, we pray with Jesus, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Yes, we pray that. Yes, we pray for miracles here and now. We hope that God shows up in St. Louis in 2019. We have hope on this earth, but we also have hope for the future. We have hope because of Jesus for the future. We have hope that someday God is going to finish the story that he's writing. That he's going to finish because of what Jesus has done through his death and his resurrection. Someday God is going to finish the story he's writing so that there's no more sickness and no more sadness and no more death. That's our hope. It's the hope that someday there won't be any more cancer. The hope that someday there won't be any more autoimmune diseases. The hope that someday there won't be any more school shootings or anxiety or depression or sickness or sadness or death. It's the hope that even though it seems like sometimes in our earthly hospitals there is no hope, that there is hope in the hospital of the church because of Jesus. In his book, A Severe Mercy, Sheldon Van Alken, uh, tells the story of his beautiful, sickness-filled life uh, with his wife. Van Alken was a contemporary and friend of C.S. Lewis, and uh, in one of my favorite passages from any book, uh, and I've read a few, uh, one of my favorite passages is uh, this account that Van Alken has of the last time that he visits C.S. Lewis. Lewis is getting old and he's sick, and Van Alken can tell he's uh, about to go, go home to the Lord, and uh, very tearfully, as they depart, Vanaukin shouts, Goodbye. And in response, Lewis turns around and he looks at him and he says, Christians never say goodbye. And that's true. Christians never say goodbye. The worst that followers of Jesus can ever say to one another is, See you later because someday we'll see each other again. Someday we will be free 
from the illness and brokenness that makes up our world. Someday, we will be able to take hold of the true and lasting and eternal healing that comes through Jesus. Someday, we will have healing that comes not from magic hair or from modern medicine, but from the blood of Jesus. Guys, this Jesus-filled hope, this is why the church can be a place of healing. Because of what Jesus does, that's why even when things are bad around us, we can have hope and we can have healing. We can look forward to the day when hope and healing are not just things in our future, but things in our present. The church was made to be a place of healing. And because of Jesus, the church can be a place of healing. A place we can take hold of the healing that we're all going to have with Jesus forever. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your son Jesus and for his church. Father, we're a church filled with imperfect, sick people who are just trying to survive and get well. Father, give us patience. Give us love as we go through life together. Give us understanding and compassion as we do church with one another, as we do church with our imperfect, sick selves. Father, help us remember that the church is a place of healing, that we're a hospital for sick people, not a country club for saints. And Father, give us hope. Give us hope through the church. Give us hope uh, because of Jesus that one day we can all take hold of the healing that we are offered. And Father, if there's someone here this morning who is sick, someone who has the spiritual sickness that only you can heal, I ask that you would give them courage. You would give them courage to reach out to you and to take hold of the healing that only you can offer. The healing that you offer to all of us through Jesus. In whose name we pray.